Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. So there is no man who's earning all the money. Yeah. If anything, there are people who are losing money left, right, and center, and we're very soon not going to have a film industry that looks like it does now. There's almost no money in it. Traveling New Zealand, featuring and celebrating amazing women in tech all across the North Island and South Island, I came across James with Werewolf, and man, was he helpful in connecting me to the women in tech community in order to enable me to empower these incredible women to move forward. So just passionate about women in tech. My name is James Burns. I'm Chief Marketing Officer at Werewolf, the app for venture tourism operators. I've had the pleasure of working for a lot of really smart women, and uh, both in tech and outside of tech. And it's just generally been my experience over the last 20 years that there's not nearly enough women's voices in leadership roles in, in tech companies. And so I just think it's important that we have that sort of voice. Uh, myself, I have two young daughters who say are four and six. And I want to make sure that when they get to an age where they're ready to start their first company, that they have all the opportunity and support that they need. Werewolf makes it easy for adventure tourism operators, everything from skydiving companies and bungee operators to jet boating and rafting companies to go paperless, to handle the guests from arrival all the way through departure, um, check them in through a really beautiful custom-branded iPad app, ask them a lot of key questions, take that data, build a customer marketing database. Werewolf was recognized by Deloitte in their Fast 50 Awards for this year as the rising star one to watch. And as we move to the United States, it's really important that we continue to capitalize on the kind of growth that we've experienced over the last three years. And we're doubling, tripling size of company annually. Queenstown is the adventure capital of the world. We have 150 plus adventure tourism operators just within a 10 minute drive of where we're sitting right now. Any activity you can think of you'd want to do, you could do it. Bungee jumping was invented here. Jet boating was invented here. I mean, there's so much that happens here. There's so much innovation around the adventure topic that we're really primed well to leverage that. And that's no better place for us to be based. Be sure to explore more about Werewolf at GetWerewolf.com. That's G-E-T-W-H-E-R-E-W-O-L-F.com. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. We are in Auckland, New Zealand after I got to travel the North and South Island celebrating women in tech across the country. It has been absolutely exhilarating. And today we get another fabulous, fabulous entrepreneur. Hello. Hi. Go ahead, introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and a little bit about what you do. Cool. Cool. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Bro Johnson, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Narrative Muse. And Narrative Muse is an online curated source for women-focused and non-binary books and movies. And what we're in the middle of making, and it is about to go live pretty soon, is we are creating the matchmaker for books and movies. So nice. basically, that means that... We know all about your intimate taste, um, stuff you tell us, and we'll match you with books and movies that are by or about women and non-binary folk. That's perfect for you. You know what's funny is, one, did you know there's a film screening tonight of a woman in tech or a woman in, like, some... I'll introduce you to her. 
There's cool. like this cool like women in film something something I'd probably go to it if I were here. Okay, cool. And then two, we ask on every episode what's your favorite book? Perfect. So let's start with that. What's your favorite book? Oh man, I hate this question. Why? Because you have <laughs> um, so many. I read so many books. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let me start with a book that has had such a significant impact on me, but I'm sorry to say it, it's not the best writing of all time, but it doesn't matter um, because it's just, the stories are incredible. So it's called The Underground Girls of Kabul. Yeah. And it's about girls in Kabul who are born girls and um, in... Afghanistan, there is a culture where your family is shamed if you don't have any boy sons. And so it is not commonly known that sometimes families will turn their little girls into boys so that they have less shame on their family. Come on. And so that they are able to, so that the young girl could turns into a son so that she can help her sisters um, walk um, freely around town or around the city so that the girls can do their shopping because they're not allowed out of the house without a boy escort. Yeah. And so if there aren't men or boys in the family other than the, f- the father, it just completely debil- de... Yeah, uh, it like cripples the, cripples yeah, the yeah. family. Yeah. Um, it means that they're not able to do what they need to do on a daily basis. Where is this again? Kabul uh, in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan. Yes. Um, and it's one of the most enlightening, eye-opening stories I've read in years. And I've made my whole team read it because Wait, I really love it. What's it called again? The Underground Girls of Kabul. And and so the girls, their hair is cut short. They mm. look like boys. Everything about them. Because they're of an age where they aren't, they haven't gone through puberty. There's nothing to define them as a boy or a girl. So a lot of young girls, you can just cut their hair off, put boy clothes on them, and you'd never know the difference. No. Yeah. And so what's really interesting about the story is it's about these girls who learn what it means to have freedom and learn what it means to be able to walk the world with ease and and in safety. And then what happens at the moment just before puberty (sighs) to these young girls who have been offered every opportunity and now have to return to life as a woman. No. When they've never experienced that before. And all of their freedoms are taken away from them. It's an it's a jaw-dropping concept, let alone story, and it's a nonfiction, and so all of the stories in it are, are real, because they're real. I have girls. to read this. It's an amazing book. Say the title one more time. The Underground Girls of Kabul. You have to email it to me. I'm I so will. tired. Like, you have, <laughs> I will. I like will. it I sounds will. so good. I want to read it on the plane. It's that would so be crazy. Good. I should pick it up at a bookstore before I leave. I'm hoping you can... I'll tell you where you're most likely to find it. Yeah, wow. because it came out a few years ago. So it's one of those books that sometimes you have to, you're not going to find on every bookshelf. Obviously, you'll find it on Amazon and Kindle. Don't worry, it's there. But yeah. um, if you're going to find an actual paper copy. I could just order it when I when I get back. Yeah. Amazon all the way. Yeah. So is this your first for, what is it, foray? I can't talk right foray. now. You, you get the idea. <laughs> Into being an entrepreneur? Yes. Oh, wow. And how long have you had this company? So Narrative Muse has been Narrative Muse for about two years, so not very long. And I have been on the path for about three and a half years. So I stopped my day job then and took over a year to figure out what it was I was doing. Yeah. I mean, at least it only took you like over a year. Some people, <laughs> we never figure it out. Um, do you want some backstory? Yeah, why? please. Okay. So backstory is, so I've been a film and television editor for 
Um, at the point that I said, we can do better. I had been a film and television editor for just over 10 years. Yeah. And um, I knew that I was really disappointed with the content that I'd been editing, and but I didn't really know why. And in New Zealand, New Zealand's quite different from the U.S., so I am from the United States originally. Um, I thought so, but then I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but I've been living yeah. here for close to 15 years, so it's okay, been a while. yeah. Um, and Where in the U.S.? Uh, I was born in Utah, then I moved to Texas. What's wrong with Utah? Well, it's just because I have a long story. Okay. So I was born in Utah, yeah. then I moved to Texas, yeah. then I moved to New Jersey, yeah. then I moved to Pennsylvania, yeah. and I went to university in California. And then That's I awesome. knew that I, if I was going to work in film and TV, I was going to have to work in Hollywood. Yeah. And I, Hollywood and I are not a good cultural fit. Yeah. So I was like, I'm either going to Vancouver or I'm going to Sydney. And I went to Sydney yeah. because it's warmer, yeah, <laughs> better weather. Um, and then because of immigration issues, I ended up in New Zealand and couldn't, it could never have happened better. It's the most perfect outcome ever. Yay! Um, but because the difference between New Zealand and Hollywood industries are that when you work in a smaller country, it means you have more opportunity to work on content that's kind of across the board. Yeah. So if you work in Hollywood, you get kind of stuck in say documentary yeah. or you get stuck in comedy or you get yeah. stuck in sitcom or you get stuck in whatever genre yeah. whereas here in New Zealand because the industry is small enough you can actually be quite successful working across all of the genres nice. which is what I was so um, in New Zealand they say tall poppy syndrome you should never toot your own horn but I just think to give you a bit of context I was really successful in all the genres and actually was doing quite well so I had the opportunity to see what was really being made and work on some pretty high quality stuff um but I knew something was wrong and I wasn't comfortable with all the content I was working on and this tragic thing happened in my life that made me throw all of the cards up in the air and say I quit for a while <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm not happy with what's happening here I don't I'm not happy with life in general at the moment and I don't know why so I went to Vancouver um, because I thought, well, I never did Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. that was always part of the story. I was supposed to go and work yeah. in Vancouver. So I went there. And then I thought to myself, if I had the opportunity to be given the job as an editor at any television studio or on any series or in any movie here in Vancouver, would I want to work on any of these projects? And the answer was no. But I didn't know why. And I thought I was just being um, kind of all uppity. And just yeah. like, maybe I'm just, maybe I've set the bar too high. Maybe, right. <laughs> maybe that's what's going yeah. on. And so um, I kind of, I was in a house sit. And I kind of just sat with that thought for a little while and just started scanning through. It was on television at the time. And this was 2014. And it was before the zeitgeist, the, what, third or fourth wave of feminism, um, where everyone's talking about how we didn't have um, representation and blah. Um, and the conversation hadn't really started yet about lack of representation on screens. Um, and so I was flip flipping through the channels and I realized, oh, I'm not there. I'm not on the screen. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I saw that I wanted to watch was uh, something with Maggie Gyllenhaal. I realized I wasn't represented on the screen and... Um, I was like, we can do better. As an entire industry, we can do better. And I know I'm one person, but surely I can do something to change the yeah. entertainment landscape because yeah. this just isn't feeling good. Um, and so I came back to New Zealand, which I thought was a layover. Yeah. I thought I was laying over for a short time before I was going to go back to Sydney. Um, 
and instead, I haven't left, I'm still here, laying over, um, and I found the co-founder of Narrative Muse, and basically what we wanted to do was we wanted to do something that was going to showcase films and books. Um, books came part of the larger picture after a whole bunch of research I had done about what the problem was and what the landscape looked like and why it was happening and why are there no women in yeah. leadership and why are there no women in politics right. and blah. And it became really clear to me that the problem is, there, we have a problem in uh, literature as mm -hmm. well. Um, and books and movies are pretty easy tie together and I'm so happy we made that choice. Um, and essentially we thought, how do we move the needle to make sure that there's more content that is surfacing um, in our raiders or on our raiders when yeah. we're out looking for something to read or something to watch um, because at the moment that stuff you don't even know it's there because a lot of this content tends to have smaller marketing budgets so it's hard yeah. to find it um, and so uh, we I'm not going to tell you about what we have right now you're more than welcome to look yeah. at our site which is narrativemuse.co but um, the matchmaker that we're making which is the special recommendation engine that's just for you is the thing that we're most excited about about showcasing content by and about women and now non-binary folk as well because they and, don't have a place and how will what's the user experience the user experience is this. Basically, when you come to the site, I'm uh, FYI, it is not live. Everything that we've been doing or everything I've been, I'm about to talk about is um, all the testing that we've done with yeah. beta offline, but it's cool. about to be online. So the user experience is that you come online and we ask you, it's basically like going to dating website yeah so you know when you go onto so tinder's not like this but um if you've ever been on okcupid when you go yeah. onto okcupid the first yeah. thing it does is it asks you five questions about yourself yeah and it's like do you like dirty like clean house or dirty house yeah. do you like pets don't like pets yeah. we're doing the same thing so we're basically saying how do you want to feel when you read or watch whatever so you choose book movie whatever how do you want to feel while you're watching it um what kind of characters like are you excited about? What kind of topics are really interesting yeah. for you? And is there anything that you really want to avoid? Do you want to avoid sexual violence? Do you want to avoid violence in general or harm yeah. to children or whatever? Um, and if your answer is no, I don't want any of that, then we'll make sure you won't get any of it. And then we have content creator curators around the world. We have a team of 35 people. That's amazing. Yeah. And we are curating the best stuff. We literally read or watched it all. And if we think... I was going to say, how do you accumulate that much data? We read and watch it all. And if we loved it, we put it on the list. So it's kind of like when you go to that old school, this doesn't exist anymore, but when you went to the video shop and it had like the the pics from yeah, yeah, the video yeah, yeah. shop people. Yeah. It's basically that. Wait, is it, first of all, how do you manage a team of 35? Are they ambassadors? Are they ambassadors? Yeah, they're ambassadors. I'd how say that. How do you that. manage them? Um, how do we manage them? We, um, they love it. They love working with us. Um, how do we manage it? We start with Slack. Everyone uses Slack. Um, that's where our community is, a central community. We're all on different time zones, so it's tough. Um, for instance, last weekend, me and Teresa, the co-founder of Narrative Muse, had an Ask Us Anything session. So yeah. we just uh, went online with all of us in yeah. a Zoom channel, yeah. and um, everyone kind of popped up who wanted to be there that day, and they could ask me and Teresa anything they wanted. Wait, does Zoom integrate with Slack? It probably no. does. But you just use we Zoom. Just use yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Um, 
And so it was just a whole bunch of us in the same space at the same time, them chatting to us, us chatting to them. We know everyone intimately. So everyone who's part of Narrative Muse is like a brother or sister to me. I know if they've just broken up with someone, I know. All 35 people? All of That's them. amazing. I know if they're going through a big life event or a big change, or I know what their ups, what their highs and what their lows are. And actually, to answer the question, if you want to know why I believe we've been successful with this team is because we're... We know each other really intimately, um, or maybe I should say that I know them quite intimately, and the editors who edit all of the writing know yeah. all of them quite intimately. So um, we there's just a few touch points for people to go to yeah. and have real-life conversations about. So it's not just go and curate stuff and write about it and whatever. It's... Um, it's real humans having real conversations. Plus, we all really love books and movies. How 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 does it make money? How does it sustain itself? Great question. Our first business model was shit. So, yeah. sorry, am I allowed to do that? Yeah, it's a podcast. And <laughs> I think that everybody's business model was and probably still is shit most of the time. Yeah, so, excellent. yeah. Um, in New Zealand, you can swear, like, at any time on yeah. the air. On I TV. always swear, period. But in America, it's different. So I'm like, I don't know yeah. what the rules are. Oh, um, you just wear on TV here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. I yeah. didn't know that. I haven't watched any television. Yeah. Well, very little, yeah. And, yeah. And so that's why it's like, no, nah, I don't know what the rules are. Yeah. Um, Podcast, Apple, thanks. Excellent. Thank yeah. you, I guess, Apple. So, yeah, our first business model was shit. Basically, we came into this with our big bright eyes of we're going to change the world and we created something that was pretty um, not awesome. Uh, yeah. It's what the website currently is, which is right now we're basically like a curated catalog of really great stuff. Yeah. Um, and we didn't think through what that model was enough. Basically, we were just going into it because we were like, the world needs this. Yeah. Yay. Um, but now with the matchmaker, um, the business model is quite different. So the... So it kind of does two things. One is um, the people who are responsible for giving you your books and movies. And I haven't explained why we're not doing television. Let me take a side. Okay, I'm just gonna, go like, for it. Go, side yeah. story. Yes. The reason we're not doing television just yet, and we will, um, the reason we're not yet is because the business models around books and movies are nearly identical. Television is very, very different. So when you are um, looking for... From the user's point of view, for you guys, when you go and you look for movies or TV, you're on Netflix and you're searching, there's no difference whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, like whatever, they're the same thing. Um, but with movies, the most important moment in a movie's life is when it first gets into the cinema. And it's really important for audiences to go and pay for that ticket and sit their butt in the seat. Yeah. Because that's when they're paying the most money for that thing. Yeah. And even though we all think that it should all be free now and we think, screw the man, the man shouldn't get our money they already have 200 million dollars the truth is is that that 200 million dollars although it seems like a crazy number to you that every single one of those dollars is responsible for getting that movie to you yeah. so it took every single one of those 200 million dollars to make that movie in the first place and to put enough money into the marketing budget so you even know that the movie exists so there is no man who's earning all the money yeah. if anything there are people who are losing money left right and center and we're very soon not going to have a film industry that looks like it does now no because there's no money in it anymore there's almost no money in it um it's it's like it's a whole other it's, conversation it's a whole different conversation but it's a it's it is a it's not looking so good so you are going to continue to have movies but it's gonna be so different into the future um 
It would be like Netflix and Amazon produced stuff. Exactly. So everything that you know, um, all of those other film producers. So um, Like Iron Man or whatever, Wonder Woman. Yeah, all we're going to see from now on for a long time is all of those really high grossing films where they know that the average, they know that they're going to get a really widespread of audience. So it's... um, So the comic book ones will do well. Yeah, it's everything that's um, spectacular and big and boom. That's the stuff that pulls in wider audiences. And the... um, the film companies yeah. are taking no risks anymore on smaller indie or like about a films. boy. Yeah, not making them. They just don't. Like that's an amazing film. I actually haven't seen it yet. When you spend your whole life reading and watching movies, yeah, there's just a lot to say. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But um, and when you're growing a company, you also don't have as much time. Yeah. Um, I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> But I haven't fully answered the question of why we haven't done TV yet. So the way that TV works, so movies work where you have a a pocket of money uh, that makes a TV show, or not a TV show, makes the movie, and then the movie gets made, and then you find a distributor, and then it goes into cinemas. That's exactly the same with books. Books are nearly identical in the way that they work, where you have a writer who writes a book, it gets bought by the book publisher, the book publisher finds a distributor, it finds its way to your hands. Yeah. TV is quite different where you have a production company that decides that it's going to make a pilot and then that pilot might have the opportunity to be seen by an audience and then the network might decide that it wants to pick up this pilot yeah and then the ownership of the product is now in the hands of the network and the production company yeah and the network um the the I guess the way to best support that piece of content is to get eyeballs on screen. So that's something we could definitely help with. But for us to find a way to be able to get in and I suppose have a cut of the whole process so that narrative muse can stay alive right. is harder, essentially, than it is with books and movies. But in the not so distant future, we will have TV as well. That was a huge segue. Wait, but sustainability... How? Oh, now back to business model. So um, there are two pieces to the pie or to the whole picture for Narrative Muse. So there are our users and they're the ones who are finding cool content and being recommended awesome stuff and they're dating their content. Um, And they're the ones that we need as many folk as possible to find cool stuff and go and read and watch stuff. Because if we can have as many people as possible reading and watching stuff and hopefully paying for it, then we can do our bit in having impact and actually um, having more women authors and more women filmmakers actually have their stuff read and watched, right? That's one side. The other side of the piece is the distributors. So the people who have something to be gained for you actually reading and watching stuff is distributors. So, um, in our case, book and movie distributors want you to go to the cinema and buy as many tickets as possible, or they want you to download the movie on iTunes or, Amazon. They don't love you being on Netflix because it means they're making almost no money. Right. But if we can support distributors to yeah. get to um, the, you getting to the content yeah. as soon as possible, the better. Now, what we know through Narrative Muse is we're learning heaps about um, 
audience t- is taste. Yeah. So we're learning about what you're interested in and what kind of mood you want to be yeah. in, what kind of genres you yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. Kind of topics you like. So what we're doing is we're working with distributors to better understand who you are right. so that they can do a better job to find you and to let you know that stuff is available. So that part of the business model is, is we evaluate all of the content um, for the distributors in the same way that we do for the users and we tell the distributors everything that they need to know to better understand how to find you yeah the audience that's what it is me the force be with you thanks <laughs> it's hard where are you where like when are you launching like what can we do as a community to support you and your success to accelerate you forward what you can do is go on the website right now and sign up it's right at the top of the page um, can you spell it, it out for us yes so narrativemuse.co so it's n-a-r-r-a-t-i-v-e m as in master u-s-e dot co and at the top of the page you'll see a place where it says to sign up to be part of matchmaking and once you've done that then you'll be helping us out by being matched with cool stuff and um with and tell your friends obviously if they are avid book or movie lovers tell them to get on board um and that's how you can help really how can people connect with you online Oh, I'm not very good at Twitter. You can Or like email even. Yeah, whatever you, you feel comfortable email. with. Email. I'm totally happy for you to email me. Um my email is bro. I have such an unusual name. Um it's spelled B R O U G H dot Johnson J O H N S O N at narrativemuse.co. Um I'm always happy to take emails and I respond to everything. Um, there's that, or you can find me on Twitter, which is bro Johnson. That's my handle. But you don't really use it. I just don't use it. Yeah. 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 And what's your favorite tech tool? Favorite. I guess I have to say we use Slack on a daily basis. I have to admit that Slack might be at the top of the list. It drives our team crazy though. Sometimes, um, it's almost too accessible. It makes everyone almost too accessible to each other at all times, which means you get really distracted. It's so funny because that was the their whole thing about email. Slack makes it so you don't have to be on email anymore, so you don't get distracted. And now it's like the most Slack distracting is email. Tool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and all of everyone who's part of Narrative Muse. Oh, that's the other thing too. Is if you're someone who's super into reading and watching stuff, we're looking for curators or evaluators and writers. So cool. if that's something you're into, um, you'll see that up on the site um, quite soon. And otherwise, email me if you're interested. Um, but yeah, I'd say we use that tool more than any tool, even though. And you talked about insane. Zoom, so that was cool. Yeah, we do use Zoom. And we'll um, include all this in the show notes. What's one huge challenge that you've overcome successfully, and what did you learn from it? I was just talking to someone about this this morning. Um, do you know the biggest challenge? Sorry, we have noise in the background there. It's okay. We're, you guys, we're in a car, car. in a parking lot, <laughs> in, in the world. We are. It happens. Uh, it's like any car anywhere. Just imagine yeah. that environment. That's where yeah. we are. Um, the biggest challenge, literally, is the challenge that we all face constantly, which is the belief that we can't do it anymore. Um, there's always a day that comes at some point where 
you have the ultimate trifecta of badness like hit you of maybe someone's given you some advice that you just don't want to hear and they're basically telling you that something's not going to work maybe you're having problems at home maybe you're um something's happened to your cat or your dog and it's just like all of the things combined mean that you don't feel like you have the capacity to continue on and then as a founder or while working in startup land at all, honestly, you are just constantly being pushed to your limits. So you're regularly being told by your mind and your body and your spirit that you can't do it because yeah. you're just tired and you actually don't have any more information yeah. and you have no idea what the next step is. Um, and so when you hit that wall, which we all do, it's just the belief in yourself that you've had this experience before and you always climb over the wall and it's going to be okay, but it really hurts right now. But if you just go home and get some sleep and refuse to look at your emails for like a couple days or you take a mental yeah. health day, like I was just talking about mental I know, health I love days are term. so important. Um, and you actually have a real mental health day. You don't have like a pretend one where you just sit on your couch and still do emails like <laughs> I always want to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. You have to take right. a real one. You have to stop everything and go touch nature with your feet or you have to go get some exercise or you have to eat real food. Um, I tend to eat real food anyway, but you just have to like focus on actually eating the meal properly instead of racing through it. Um, and just self-care, because when you have those lows, they suck, but you always get through it. You totally. just have to believe you'll get through it. Totally. One last question, usually that I ask at the beginning, so we kind of did a reversal today. <laughs> when did you first realize you were passionate about technology? Oh, wow. I was never passionate about technology. I didn't care. I've never cared. Um, I guess I have to change, like change the way I sit with that now is um you don't have to change but <laughs> you do have a tech company we now. have a tech company so to say passion is the wrong use of the words for okay me. instead I would say that me and my co-founder laugh all the time when we're like how the hell did we end up in a data company because ultimately we're a data company so if you're um, telling us about your taste and what's really interesting to you we need to be able to serve up books and movies that are perfect for you but to do that we have to have all the data about the books and yeah, movies yeah, yeah. and we have to have all the data about your taste and so that means that oh my god we're a data company how did this happen yeah um Teresa is a screenwriter writer and I am a was like a filmmaker yeah. so both of us come from these backgrounds and have absolutely nothing to do with tech and now we're in tech and we're catching up quickly um I 100% see the value in it I understand I can like you see instant results and you can see oh my goodness with tech we can actually touch people in a way that we never could right. before but at the end of the day for me passion around tech it's just kind of like it's the tools that we use. The passion is behind the impact we want to see in the world. And the technology, the techno it's almost like my waitressing job. I used to get really upset that I like I didn't like waitressing at all, but I waitressed for a long time. And my mom would be like, it's just a resource to get you to where you want to go. Totally. Spot on. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's exactly that. It is a resource. And every day. I'd say that I appreciate the resource more and more 
and um, every day I'm sitting on a meetings. Like I just had a meeting with one of our data scientists today um, where he was talking through some things to a junior um, engineer. And I was astounded. Like he was writing all this code on the board and explaining all of these high level principles. And I knew everything he was talking about. And I was like, when did I become someone who had any idea like what any of that code is or what those like principles are. And yet here I am completely immersed in it, following along going, yep, yep, yep. And not only that, but telling him when he's missing stuff, like just like, Hey, we've missed that thing and that thing and that thing. It's important that this new junior understands that. So can we cover that a bit more thoroughly? And I'm just like, what happened? I don't understand. But I guess the point is, is if we care enough about anything, we can learn it. Right. And we can catch up and you're never, ever on the back foot truly because we're always learning and if you want it then you'll get there yeah I don't know how many of these tech listeners are people who are just interested in the world of tech but aren't necessarily doers of tech but but that's the thing I don't know either because it's a whole bunch of people that I haven't (laughs) met but hello because you know me more than I know you but um but no, I think your story is really inspiring because there are so many people that are like you that do want to pursue what their passion is outside of tech and they're utilizing technology in a way or they need to utilize technology in a way to get them there. And so to hear your story is really inspiring that you don't actually have to be a classic engineer, programmer, woman in tech to be the founder of a tech company and you don't have to have your number one passion be tech to utilize tech to build a tech company but you can still be a woman in tech (laughs) absolutely absolutely absolutely. thank you so much for hanging out with the women in tech podcast (laughs) you're welcome on that note if you guys want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women around the world be sure to connect with them on the facebook group the women in tech facebook group you get there by going to women in tech vip.com that's women in tech vip.com also if you want the sticker i give you the sticker. yeah you have the sticker have on your sticker. computer already yeah she has the women in tech mm-hmm. sticker if you want one of the women in tech stickers tweet us instagram us facebook us at women in tech show i will see you guys talk to you guys hear you guys in the next episode bye bye <laughs> My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.